Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Happy summer! It's near, it's what, it's the middle of August, I guess. And sadly, that means that summer is coming to an end. Um, do we got that slide up there, Leanna? I don't know if we do or not. So this is my very joyful, uh, optimistic message this morning. <laughs> so I almost want like a voiceover, like, you know, like the, the James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader. Summer is ending. I just wanted to say, by Russell Bird. Hi. And so that's what my, the title of my message is this morning. I've had a great summer. Okay, I hope you guys have had a good summer too. I, I don't know about you, but summer always, even though we, you know, we adults uh, work full time, summer is kind of a different season, isn't it? Because typically that's when you want to spend your vacation days, you want to see family, uh, maybe you'll do more things outdoors, hopefully, although with this smoke, it's not been that fun with the smoke. But with summer, I love it because it, it kind of is like a break chapter. You know what I mean? Like the working seasons between winter to spring, it's, it's a hard-fought journey. But then when like June, mid-June, and beginning of July hits, you kind of feel that change. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I know that there are a lot of people here that also work seasonally. So you guys are like, we die in the summer. We work so hard. <laughs> it's okay. I'm different and I'm okay. I'm going to flaunt that. Uh, but I, I love summer. I had a great summer. I hope you guys had a great summer too. But the thing I've noticed about summer is that it definitely doesn't reflect the rest of the year accurately, you know? Imagine if we always had summer, we always had some vacation days, we always had the hot weather. Now that's California, I get that. But we're in Canada, so bear with me here, okay, for this paradigm. But with summer, it's not quite the, the normal thing. It, it can kind of be an exception to the rule. Like I said, even traffic is better in Calgary, okay? And again, I came from a small city, Medicine Have, 66,000 people. I'm not used to waiting in bumper-to-bumper traffic for an hour. It's not, that's not holy. My uncle is from Lethbridge. Every time he comes up for a Stampeders game, he always says, this is ungodly. Like, who would live in Calgary for this reason? This is, this is terrible. I actually don't act like a Christian often when I'm in traffic here, okay, Russell. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. But traffic is better in the summer because school's out. <gasps> you know, that's nice. And a lot of people are on vacation. Summer is different. But then when the fall comes... People go back to school. Traffic is crazy. Work is crazy. It's the beginning of a fiscal year. You know, for businesses, it's the beginning of the school year. It just has a different tone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I, is this making sense? If you don't enjoy summer, well, then you can leave. That's fine. I, I like summer. That's what we're talking about today. But summer doesn't reflect all four seasons accurately. It is only a small portion of the big picture. And today I'm going to talk to you about, and it's a part of the message, but I'm going to talk to you about the concept of distortion, okay? This sounds like a really negative sounding message, but it's really not, okay? Distortion, the action of providing misleading account or impression. Now, summer is not evil. (laughs) We talked in church today about how summer is actually really bad for you. It's not that. Summer is just not everything that there is to it. And if you you pretend like summer is going to last all year, you're going to be in trouble, aren't you? (laughs) <laughs> I own a house, and last year, I barely survived, like, emptying the, the, the pipes in my house, the exterior pipes, like, flushing them, you know? Otherwise, they freeze over. And the problem here is, and, and that's what I want to talk to you about today in this message, is that if we're not careful with our summers, and if we're not careful how we treat it, we're going to actually not be preparing for the next season to come. I don't know if that next slide is up there, Leanna, about summer. 
There we go. If we're not careful, we'll keep thinking it's summer when we should be weatherproofing our sprinklers, okay? <laughs> Distortion, again, is a half-truth. Distortion takes something pure, and it distorts it. So with Casey, you saw him playing electric guitar. He's got a pedal board here. It takes the original signal, the original clear signal from his guitar. He clicks a button, and a distortion pedal keeps most of it the same, but it has a different tinge to it, doesn't it? It has maybe a more rock sound or a little bit of louder sound, whatever. And today, church, I felt like I needed to tell you guys lovingly and tell myself that summer is ending, that the season that we're in right now is ending. We're, we're, it's time to gear up for fall. It's time to gear up for the rest of reality, the rest of reality, because summer is a good portion of our lives, but it's not all that there is to it. We have to get back to work. But that can be tough, though, in our lives, and, and we're going to kind of visit this here. I'm, I'm actually going to skip a bit here, you guys. Um, we're going to go talk about a story in the book of Galatians in New Testament. That's where I want to camp today for a little bit because there was some distortion happening. And we're gonna use this story to take a look at our own lives this morning about how we can have good intentions, how we could be on the right path. But if we're not careful, the original signal, the original path that we were supposed to be on, we can get slightly distorted, right? It's like math, right? Those exponential charts that you see. If you put one little number, one little extra digit, it's no longer a flat plane, is it? Suddenly, it's an exponential curve, and it goes way out of whack. It never just turns gradually. Our lives are a constant motion. Our lives are constant progress. This is why this is important today, because if you don't check yourself, if you don't look for the distortion, your life, you could have good intentions. There's a difference between progress and fulfillment. Fulfillment, we're actually a fulfillment culture. I don't know if you'd agree. But we, we've really dedicated our media, our marketing, our sales, and our lives around fulfillment. I like feeling fulfilled. I like feeling full of joy or satisfaction in an action being completed, right? But we often, I would say all of us, who here wants the best for their lives? Let's do a quick, you know, a, a quick poll. Who wants the best for life? Good. If you didn't put up your hand, either you're sleeping or you're not paying attention. That's okay. <laughs> the late hands. <laughs> You know, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not picking on anybody. <laughs> I think we're all looking for progress. I think in your job, you're looking for that promotion. I think in your personal life, you're looking for those good relationships. I think in your faith journey, you're looking to make viable steps, progress. But there's a fine line between feeling fulfilled in something and moving forward in something. That's the danger. And we could spend all day just on this topic alone, but we got to keep moving. But that's where there are different religions, aren't there? Right? Buddhism, Mormonism, Hindu. It's because we get that satisfaction from feeling a part of something that is kind of real, but it's just distorted enough that we're off the mark. And in the book of Galatians, that's why we're going to talk about it today. I love the New Testament, but I got to tell you, if you read all of it, and we're going to talk about the author Paul today. Well, theologians can't decide whether or not he wrote Galatians or was a part of it. That's okay. We're not here to talk about it. But in the book of Galatians, Paul is an apostle. He's an overseer. 
And I've talked about him before, so I hope you, you understand kind of a little bit of a background of who Paul is. But Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He actually gives an account to try to base or to give credibility to his testimony that he was worse than the worst of the religious. He was distorted. And he doesn't say that necessarily in the Bible, but he talks about how when people are scared of him and they're trying to understand and believe if he is actually a Christian, they were scared of him, guys. Paul threw people in jail, okay? Paul got orders from the the temple, his leaders, to go to different cities, hunt down Jesus' followers, and throw them in prison. Why? Because he wanted to be honest and accurate in the sight of God. He wanted to please God, and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, He says it in the book of Galatians, I was more religious than the religious. And then he got radically saved. Got radically saved. He had an encounter with Jesus, And all of a sudden, the lights went on. He's like, oh my goodness, this is no longer acts of or or works can justify us any longer. It's faith through Jesus. It's no longer working for my salvation. It's just asking for it from Jesus. And so now he became an apostle. He became an overseer of churches. And that's what we're gonna talk about today is the church in Galatia. Here's the danger. Here's the background because we're gonna go to the scripture here in just a moment here. The Galatians, an awesome church. They were a beacon in their community. They were making an impact. They were spreading the love of Jesus. Okay, Paul is loving it. But now Paul is away. That's why you see all these, these are called epistles. They're actually letters from Paul to the churches because you know if, 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 he, was, if he was actually present in the situation we're about to look at, we wouldn't know about it because he's just doing it, okay? But he has an account. He has a letter because he had to address it from a distance. The church of Galatia was doing well. They were on fire for Jesus. But then something happened. Their doctrine was, if you believe in Jesus, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But then people came on in and said, yes, absolutely, we agree with you. But you also have to be circumcised. Oh my gosh, are we talking about circumcision today? Not necessarily. We're not gonna go into detail. Circumcision was the act that God had asked Abraham to do hundreds of years earlier to testify that they were a set-apart people for God. Circumcision. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up after the service (laughs) with adult supervision. (laughs) But they they were told, accept and believe in Jesus and you'll be set free. You'll become in right standing with God. And then people came in and said, absolutely, we agree with you, but you have to be circumcised as well because that's what us Jews do. So Paul had to write a letter. We're gonna take it up here in chapter one, Galatians 6 to 10. This is Paul writing to his church. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. What is Paul saying here? First off, he's saying, 
I understand that this looks very compelling, Church of Galatia. I understand that this looks and sounds true because your background is actually of Jewish tradition or Gentile tradition. But even if an angel came down and told you slightly different, accursed to the one who does that. Why? Because there's nothing like the true gospel. There's nothing like the true truth. Nothing can replace it, but nay, nothing can also distort it. Distortion. What was in danger was that this powerhouse church in the New Testament, during the birth of the church, after Jesus died, you know, they didn't have a a whole written Bible and they didn't have people with pamphlets going door to door. They just had to keep telling people, did you know that we knew this man named Jesus and that he rose from the dead? Did you know he also did, um, he, he prophesied, he did miracles, did amazing things and we saw this happen and then we saw him alive. That's the only reason why Christianity, Christianity spread. It, was, it wasn't based on a Bible. It was based on a testimony of witnessing Jesus rise from the dead. And the church of Galatians was built on that. And then people infiltrated. Distortion. Circumcision was understood. It was a normal concept. And that's typically how distortion happens in our lives. We take most of the truth that we believe, you add a little part to the end of it, or beginning. And suddenly, with good intentions, we've missed the mark completely. And that's what the church of Galatia was in danger of. They were misplacing their true message. And then this is where he clarifies how it happened. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. Distortion binds you. Distortion can change you. Now, how does this apply to us, Russell? Why are you talking about this? Why are we talking about summer? And why are we talking about progress and fulfillment? Because, and again, we're going to get to this in a bit, but our lives are at stake here. Our message is at stake here. This church in Galatia was a pillar for the growing church. Of course, the enemy, of course, Satan would want to do something, but notice that they don't destroy it. Notice that it's not a head-on attack. It's not someone saying Christianity doesn't exist. They've tried that, haven't they? In this period of time, they've tried saying that Jesus didn't exist or Jesus wasn't the Messiah, but that didn't stop the miracles from happening. That didn't stop the miraculous Peter sermon in the book of Acts, people speaking in tongues in different languages. They couldn't dissuade people from the truth. So what do you have to do? It says false brethren. These were humans. This wasn't just like someone just like, bing, you know, all of a sudden was like, you know what? I think we also need to be circumcised. This was deliberate. Whoever wanted to mess with the Galatians, they had a plan. And you come in there and you believe, you clap your hands, you sing the songs, but then you add a little twist. You bet, guys, Jesus is Lord. Believe that, hallelujah. You also have to do this, though, I've heard. Did you hear that you also have to do this? I heard you have to do this, because if you don't, you're not in right standing with God. And suddenly, it's not the same message at all, is it? It's just enough off the beaten path where those with good intentions are dissuaded from their target completely. I think everyone in this church, and I think everyone in the church has good intentions. I have good intentions. I want to do what's right. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good leader. I want to be a good friend, a good brother. But if I don't check my truth, 
I've missed the mark completely. If anything, I'm doing more damage because I have the desire to do good. I have the desire to help people change their lives, don't I? You see me praying up here sometimes. I get to preach as well. This is a big responsibility. But if my message isn't in check, well, there's the direction. That's the danger. Here's how much this church had actually gotten out of control. We're going to move on. Peter, like the, the head of the new church, one of the leaders, bought into it. Galatians, this is crazy, you guys. Galatians uh, chapter 2, 11 to 13. But when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Paul opposed Peter, okay? That's like you walking up. I mean, I, I, I don't know who you guys associate as a bigwig in, in Christianity. I, I like Stephen Furtick. I like Craig Groeschel. Uh, I like Andy Stanley. I don't know if you guys have heard of these people, but that's like calling them out in public. It's like, Andy, you're doing the wrong thing in front of people. It's not like Paul quietly took Peter aside. Hey, Peter, come here, come here, come here, come here. You're doing something wrong. It says this. So, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I, Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. That is not a political party you want to name yourselves. United Conservatives, party of the circumcision, debate would not be good. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas, even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Crazy. So Paul had to stand in front of people. Why? Because Paul, there were alarm bells going off, you guys. And I hope that alarm bells go off for us every single day. But for Paul, alarm bells were going off. This is not right. Our leader, Paul, or Peter, is associating with Gentiles and Jews. You can read about it in the book of Acts, the whole tarp coming down, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. Basically, long story short, God was saying Gentiles are in now. Jews aren't the only ones. Gentiles are in. Everyone can be in right standing with me because Jesus was the universal price paid. So Peter was making progress. He's a Jew. Remember, he's a Jew from birth, right? Peter has habits to break. He has traditions to break. But Peter's now sitting down and eating with the Gentiles. He's hanging out with the Gentiles. This is great because remember, all eyes are on Peter. He knew Jesus. And then when these people who came with James, it says before people came with James, so there must have been some men that were whatever come, came and joined the church. But then after that, he started distancing himself from the Gentiles. Can you imagine how damaging that would have been if he had kept that up? Well, Russell, I'm not a big fan of the Bible. I'm just here for the free food. That's okay. Imagine if your favorite, a favorite politician or favorite musician suddenly changed directions on the platform that they had stood up for for years. If you know Bono and U2, he's all about live aid. He's all about feeding the hungry. He's all about protecting people. And you could become a huge fan of Bono, not necessarily his music, but of him because of what he stood for. But then if he just stands up one day and says, you know what, I don't care anymore. I'm retiring and going back to Ireland. That would break your heart and everything he stood for would be a wash, wouldn't it? That's what this is like. Imagine who's, okay, so who's here at Church of the Rock Calgary? Who has been here within six months of the very beginning? Who's been here six months? Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Imagine everything that Ian and Valbird stood for. 
you've been working your butt off helping them with this church, setting up, tearing down, leading life groups, doing ministries, witnessing to people out and uh, out there. And then all of a sudden, Ian and Valbert just say, all right, we don't believe in Jesus anymore. Or we do, but we believe in the, the common energy of all of us. We are all God. You know what I mean? And they just stood up here and said that, oh man, you're out the door. Their whole message, their credibility is shot. Scary stuff. So a lot of people think when they read this passage, they're like, why did Paul call Peter out? That's mean. No, it was the only way. This was an honor culture. When you had a question, so this is a side note, but this is important. In, in, if you read the Bible, you need to understand the context. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees asked Jesus public questions, you guys know what I'm talking about? They ask him all these crazy questions. You know, do we pay taxes to Caesar or whatever? A public question is a debate who is smartest. It is not actually a genuine insight into an answer. It is actually a challenge. So when the Pharisees asked Jesus a question in public, if Jesus answered wrong, one point Pharisees. That's what they were trying to do. It was never for information. When you wanted information, you go in private. Nicodemus went in private. Read that story too. You notice it goes at nighttime. Yes, he's ashamed of, you know, he's a Pharisee, he's an elder. He doesn't want to be seen, but he also is asking Jesus a question at nighttime for information. Why is that important? Paul stood up amongst his brethren and called Peter out. And then it also says that Barnabas, who is responsible, mind you, if you read, read the New Testament. You know, I've noticed I'm not totally going through a ton of scripture right now. If you're like, well, I don't remember any of this, maybe you should read your Bible. Have fun. Barnabas was responsible for helping the church accept Paul. Barnabas was clutch. Barnabas was a huge part of the New Testament. Read it in the book of Acts. It says Barnabas started participating. Do you see what distortion does? Again, a head-on attack, a head-on debate would have been won by Paul in an instant. It actually says he spent years debating in churches, proving that the validity of Jesus Christ. If you went and came at Paul, he'd beat you. But no, that's not how distortion works. Distortion takes the truth and just twists it a smidge. So again, how does this apply to us? We have been asked and called to go into all the nations and make disciples. We have been called on the Great Commission. We've been called to follow Jesus. But I, when I was praying about this church and it, I was reflecting on summer and what a crazy summer we've had. By the way, I, I didn't even mention this. This was in my notes to say, I had a baby girl, you guys. I had a third kid this summer. It was marvelous. I'm sure you guys have all seen her, but I just have to get that in there. But when I was praying about summer, I really felt that this church has the potential to do amazing things. We've already done amazing things, but I sense new things coming. I'm kind of semi-prophesying and preaching here. I hope you're okay with that. It doesn't matter. I'm doing it anyways. We're, we are going to do great things. We have a church that has so much untapped potential and potential. We're going to do great things, but the gospel also relies on the individual. It relies on Russell believing the truth. It relies on Ian and Valbird believing the truth. It relies on you believing the truth. But if you don't check yourself, suddenly your gospel gets a little bit distorted. Check this out. Matthew 5. What, well, what's my gospel, Russ? What are you talking about? You're talking in generics today. What am I supposed to do? Matthew 5, 
This is Jesus now, 13 to 16. You, you, me, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, because that's ridiculous, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I don't get it, Russ. I don't understand. What's a lamp have anything to do with this? Jesus was speaking in common terms. He's saying, you, the saltiness, what what does saltiness have to do with anything? Salt was used for food preservation. Salt was used and useful. But if you lose your saltiness, what good are you? We were called to be in this world, drawing people to look at us. To, to, we, were draw, we, were, we were called by Jesus to shine. We were called by Jesus to be salty. We were called by Jesus to do good works in front of and for men to glorify the Father. You are a beacon. The whole story revolves around you, me. But our gospel, our gospel can get distorted. Notice I'm not saying your gospel can be removed. I think everyone here wants to follow God, follow Jesus with all of your heart. That's not what I'm doubting. But that's the thin line between progress and fulfillment. I could, <laughs> I thought about this the other day. I, I hate being a homeowner, but I love being a homeowner. I love owning my home. I love knowing that this is my house. I'm not paying rent. I'm eventually paying off a mortgage. It's great. I love owning a home but I don't like the responsibilities that come with it, like mowing the lawn. My lawn is half dead. If you've come and visited my house anyways, it's not very good. But I'm not the best gardener. I'm not the best landscaper. So my wife literally has to be like Russell, like Titus is being lost in the Amazon forest where that is our backyard. Please mow the lawn. But you know what's funny, guys? I can mow the lawn and feel fulfilled. <laughs> I can mow my lawn and be like, I've done good today. I can't, I can't, I do. I absolutely do. But that has nothing to do with my life and progress. But I still get the sense of fulfillment. Well, Russ, I feel a restlessness. Like I, I need to join a group or something or I need to you know, do something with people. I'm really feeling that. Well, maybe God's asking you to be a part of a life group. No, I'm gonna join a pottery class. Fulfillment. I'm joking, but I'm not joking. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's that line. Well, I feel like God's calling me to be a mentor to somebody, but you know what? It gets a little bit too personal, so maybe I'll join a book club or something or, you know, just try to be a friend to everybody I meet. Our gospel is at stake. Paul knew that with the Church of Galatians. Jesus said, I've called you to something great. And the enemy comes in and says, yes, absolutely, this is the truth. But we're just going to turn it this way a little bit. So in the long run, you're nowhere close to where you need to be. For those that can't see, I realize that sometimes some people listen to the podcast. I picked up a Kleenex box and moved it to the right. It's not a very good picture, but I tried. What are you doing with your gospel today? What am I doing with my gospel 
today. Our gospel is our actions. Our gospel is our love in action, our representation of Jesus. And if we don't represent the whole truth and nothing but the truth, even with your good intentions now, you're unfortunately a stumbling, stumbling block. That scares me. I hope that scares you in a good way. I hope it scares the hell out of you. Haha, <laughs> get it, pun? Eh. Summer is ending. It is not the only season we get to enjoy in the year. School is starting. The business year is starting. Well, I don't, still don't get it, Russ. Like, what are you talking about? Maybe God has been asking you to go to the water cooler at the same time as Bobby to talk to him about his life rather than avoid contact with people in the workplace because you don't want to feel uncomfortable. Well, I'm worried that if they find out I'm a Christian, they're going to ask me hard questions. That's okay. You've got us. We'll support you. We'll help you. We'll pray for you. Well, I just don't get it. Like, I just, you know, well, maybe God's asking you to start a business. Maybe God's asking you to leave your job. I resigned, my, I, I resigned from my position a few weeks ago, you guys. Um, it's not public knowledge, but now it is. Um, but I felt for the last six months that I was to leave my job. And that's hard because I have the best boss in the world. I've bragged about him many times. But I felt like I was being called to something else. And that was a very hard moment for me, you guys. I had to go to my boss two weeks ago, say, Jake, thank you so much for everything you have done. You have changed my life. But I must re resign. I have to step down. And of, of course, he's not a Christian, you guys, not yet. But of course, his first question is, well, what's your plan? Why are you leaving? Did you guys know I don't have a job lined up? <laughs> well, yes and no. That's a different story, and I'll tell you guys later. But when I resigned, I didn't have anything lined up. All I felt was that God was saying, Russ, I need you to do this. Well, why? You'll find out. Well, why? You'll find out. I want to know before I jump. That's not how faith works. You don't see where your feet are going to land. You just know you're supposed to jump. It's called reckless faith. Now, be careful with that. The word reckless is in there. But if I was to die, a good friend, uh, Ian and Val are actually in Cranbrook today speaking at Connect Church. The lead pastor, Frank Hackett, told me this. He's like, if I, when I die and I get to the pearly gates or if I'm in before God, do I want to be told one of two things? One, Frank, it took you a long time to make a decision. Like when I was prodding you and poking you for like two or three years, you finally jumped. But like by then, everyone in the church was yelling at you to make this decision. Or... You know, Frank, more often than not, you've made the right call, but there are a few times you jumped early. You were a little bit reckless, but I like that because when I told you to jump, you just said how high, right? Our gospel is at stake. And with Galatians, their gospel was at stake. Matthew 5, 16. How have I distorted my gospel? Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, except when it's uncomfortable. It doesn't say that, but we believe that sometimes, don't we? That's a distortion of the gospel. Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, unless they're an unrighteous zealot bigot on Facebook and you need to put them in their place. Or you could not do that 
You could pray for them. You could comment back saying thanks for your feedback. Or you just don't say anything because it's pointless. Romans 13.1. This one's hard. I'm, spe- I'm preaching to myself as well here, guys. I hope I'm not coming down too hard on you. I don't think I am. 13.1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. But if I disagree with them, I will mock them. I will not support anything to do with politics, and I won't want to change anything, and I will not pray for my leaders. I'm guilty. I'm not politically educated but I know where I stand on certain issues. And if certain people get elected, I tend to bad talk them more than pray for them. That's a distortion of the gospel. Ephesians 6, 1 to 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. This is hard but maybe you have to go ask forgiveness from your mom or your dad. Or maybe you're the only light that your family's ever going to see, but that bridge has burned right now because someone on either side won't talk to the other. Or maybe you constantly mock or sarcastically remark on your siblings, I'm guilty. I'm very sarcastic. But sarcasm is never meant to build. I don't care in what humor or good faith you have it in. Sarcasm is designed to chip away. It is never meant to encourage. And that's a repentance thing that I, I, I have to do. You know, with my mom and dad, you guys know my story. There, there have been parts where I, I have not talked to my dad. I've hated my father. But we've changed that. And I am grateful because I'm here today. I've said that before. I get to talk to you guys today because I've changed that. Distortion, you guys progress or fulfillment you can feel great mowing your lawn or you can go talk to your neighbor did you guys know so we've lived here since we moved to this house april 2017 so it's been like a year and a half all i know about my neighbors is their names are leroy natasha erica and justin and that's it i've known them for a year and a half i see them almost every day but it's our culture now isn't it Hey, Bob, hey, Bill, and just walk inside your house. We have garages now we drive into to avoid humanity. I'm preaching to myself again. You guys think, wow, Russell, like we're not all as extroverted as you. I want to avoid talking to people too, guys. If you're on the C train and someone smells a bit funny, but you sense that you're supposed to sit by them and talk to them, what about go talk to your boss and tell him he's doing a really good job, even though you know that you're struggling with some of the decisions he's made? Maybe you're the only person that can change that. Or maybe God's telling you to leave your life of security. Maybe he's asking you to leave your job. Without getting too far into it, you guys, I'm, I'm taken care of. Within a week after I left my job and people are asking me questions like, do you have a backup plan? Do you have a plan? No. I was told to do one thing and I'll wait for the other results. Guess what happened? I have a potential job offer and I'm going to take it because it's better than my current job. It would have never happened had I not left this job. Hallelujah. Is it always going to happen like that? No, that's not how faith works. There's no guarantees other than you're doing the right thing. Paul sees this. We're going to bring it back to Galatians here. Hope you guys are still with me. In the church of Galatia, progress was being made. 
not fulfillment, progress. The genuine love, the acceptance word of Jesus had come into play. Gentiles who had never thought ever, like that's why there was so much uh, hostility between Samaria and, and Jerusalem. They both had their own different altars. They both wanted to follow the same God, but one was like, we're the chosen ones. The other's like, well, we want to be the chosen ones. There was hostility. And then Jesus came in, died a terrible death, and united everybody and said, I don't care if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, you're with me. You just say, I'm on team Jesus, you're with me. That's how it works. This church was doing great things. They were growing. And then Paul noticed that they had changed direction. They were choosing to acknowledge a bit more summer than the rest of the seasons. <laughs> church of Galatia. This is the hardest part here is that you can almost feel it in Paul's voice when he writes this part. And this is where we're gonna close today or pretty close Galatians 5, 7 to 9, Paul says this to the Galatians. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. It doesn't take a lot, you guys. It doesn't take a lot. You, me, we're here. We're here. You're sitting here because you want better, because you want progress. You want to move forward. But what is your gospel? What is your gospel? What is your gospel saying? Ask that question every day. I challenge you lovingly, of course. Well, I won't, I won't talk to that coworker. He, I just can't stand him. I cannot stand him. I've just chosen to avoid the situation. Love your enemies. Bless them, be a light, don't lose your salt. Maybe avoiding is not the problem, or maybe that's not the solution. Maybe the, the problem is you're avoiding it. Maybe you're supposed to try to get closer. Hmm. But that would mean I'm uncomfortable. I understand. Well, that would mean that I'd have to start talking to my aunt again. Yeah. We only live once. I want progress. We are not meant to just sit here, you guys, and enjoy the summer. We're meant to prepare for winter. We're meant to prepare for fall. We're meant to go out there and be the only message that some people in their whole life is going to see of Jesus. That doesn't mean you have to do it perfectly. Maybe I should just give you that disclaimer right now. You will mess up. I am a testament of this. I mess up often, but I am learning to take more shots than not. The legendary wise prophet Wayne Gretzky once said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. It's true. I'm not an Oilers fan, but I'm a Wayne Gretzky fan. It's true. I'm going to tell you guys a story here before we close. A, a, a baseball coach gives an account of going to this legendary baseball conference. He's a coach in Little League, but he had the opportunity to go to this big baseball convention. Now, I'm not particularly a baseball fan, and if you're not even a sports person, it's okay. Just bear with me. It's a good story. This baseball coach goes to this convention, 
and they're told that the keynote speaker's name is Coach Skolinos. Skolinos? Skolinos. Coach Skolinos. I'm going to screw up on that name all day. That's fine. But when he heard about that, he has no idea who this coach is, but the people around him are being like, oh my goodness, Coach Skolinos is here? Oh my goodness, that's worth everything that I paid for my airfare. And this coach is thinking, who on earth is this Coach Skolinos guy? So finally, the main event comes. 4,000 baseball coaches are sitting down. And this shorter, older, pudgier, legendary baseball coach, definitely in his mid-70s, walks on out. And he starts speaking. And the coach, everyone else in the room, 4,000 people notice that the only thing that is odd about this coach is he's wearing home plate, an actual home plate around his neck. He's wearing it. He's just walking around, just strutting it. He's talking. He's being motivational, but he's got home plate around his neck. And so finally, after about 25 minutes of speaking, Coach Scolino says, you've probably wondered why I'm wearing this home plate around my neck. I have a purpose for that. Can I ask you guys some questions? And they said, sure, absolutely. He says, what is the standard measurement length to length of home plate? What is the standard length? of home plate. One guy shoots his hand up, 17 inches. He's like, you're right, 17 inches. Now, can you tell me something? For any, any peewee baseball players, any minor league, you know, like, like little kid baseball coaches, yeah, people putting up their hands. What's the measurements of home plate in your league? 17 inches, you're right, absolutely. What about like peewee, midget, midget ball? Anyone, anyone, what's the measurement of home plate? 17 inches, okay, minor league, 17 inches. Major League Baseball, 17 inches. You're all right. It's all 17 inches. Now, coaches, coaches, you with me? Okay. If your pitcher can't throw the ball over 17 inches, who here has come up to their pitcher and said, don't worry, Bobby, you'll get it next time. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to widen home plate to 18 or 19 inches if you need. And if you still can't hit over the plate, with your throws after that, just come talk to me. We'll widen it to 20 or 21 inches. Has anyone done that? Has anyone done that? The room is silent. Of course, no one's done that. And then he turns around on home plate. I was going to bring one, but I couldn't go to sport check and like ask them, hey, can I borrow a home plate and then return it? No. So I didn't do that. But he turns around and quickly has a marker and he draws a house on home plate. And he says, this is what we're doing in our lives today in society. When our kids need discipline or boundaries, we have widened home plate. Don't worry, Bobby, we'll make it 18 or 19 inches. And then he draws a cross. He says, the church has done this. Years of persecution, fraud, false testimony, the church has gotten away and they've widened home plate. He draws a picture of a flag. He says, politics, our politicians, our core beliefs in our country have been changed. We've broadened the spectrum. We have widened home plate. He says, who are we coaches if we are not holding those we love closest to us accountable to home plate first? Because if we don't hold ourselves accountable to hold plate, home plate, he turns around and shows the back of home plate and it's black. He says, if we don't hold each other accountable to this, dark days are ahead. 
and this is not this is not a doom and gloom message, you guys. This is not a doom and gloom. But I wouldn't I would be lying if I didn't feel like I was to at least give you a little bit of a shot in the arm this morning and say, guys, guess what? Summer is ending. What is your gospel? Well, what do I do, Russ? How do I do this? You keep saying that, that you know, maybe I'm out of line or maybe I'm distorted. Like what I feel a little bad right now. You're not supposed to. Guess what? You have the one who created the truth, wanting you to believe the truth and wanting you to live the truth. You have Jesus in your corner. It's not like you're on your own now. Here's your textbooks. I hate exams like that. All right, we're going to cover everything I didn't teach you. Finals on Monday. Like, and then you go into the test. We all can relate to this in high school. And you're like, well, he taught me nothing of this. It's all in chapter 15. We didn't talk about chapter 15. I know, you know. It's not like that, thankfully. You have someone who's willing to be your private tutor. You have someone who's willing to walk alongside you. But it takes a look in the mirror, you guys. Because it's easy to believe we are doing the right thing. I I tithe. Maybe you don't. (laughs) Maybe that's the distortion too. But I tithe. I go to church. I participate in life group occasionally. I will occasionally say hello to a stranger on the street. What if God's asking to buy that guy a coffee rather than walk by him? What if God's asking you to, mind-blowing, what if God's asking you to go up to that woman who has a cast on her leg and politely just tell her that God loves her and ask permission to pray for her? Did you know that people will rarely say, no, get off me, you heathen? They'll be a little bewildered or shocked that someone actually cares enough to come across the room and say hi to them and ask to pray, but they'll most likely say yes. But it takes a moment in looking at yourself and saying, what is my gospel? Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run, there's that word again, the race, run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run. And then you have the other picture of the Galatians and Paul's like, you were running such a good race. Who cut in on you? It's like watching the Olympics. I'm not a big fan of the Olympics, you guys, but there are a few events that I'll watch. But you know those 1,500 meter dashes, right? It is a sprint, but it's not. It's long enough for something to go terribly wrong. That's why I like watching them. It's bad. Yeah, you guys are learning about my character. That's fine. But you know when you see that one guy who's been in the lead the whole time, but you have like this eerie thought that this one dude is gonna just like, he's making way, through the crowd, and this one guy's like barely holding onto the lead, and you're like, Jeremy's gonna lose the gold. You know it. And he's like running like crazy. And then around the last lap, you see this guy who just gets a kick and he just starts, you just know it. You're like, oh my goodness, he's Jeremy's gonna lose. And and sure enough, around the finish line, just at the last moment, Jeremy ran out of gas, and this other guy came in and cut in. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, You guys were kicking butt. You guys were amazing, changing lives but then someone won instead. Someone cut in on you. Distortion. What is your gospel? What's what's encumbering 
your gospel. Unforgiveness, fear, pride, bitterness, greed, selfishness, comfort. You have one message. You are always on the volume dial. You guys are always speaking a message. It's just what message are you speaking? Can you stand with me this morning? Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.